The fortnight of Wimbledon starts Monday, exclusive to ESPN, and presented first ball to last ball. The brackets were uh, announced this morning, and to help you with your office pool, we are privileged to be joined by Chrissy Everett and John McEnroe. They each won Wimbledon three times, including both of them in 1981. As always, we will go around the room. We'll try to get to everybody. I will announce who is up and who is on deck. And to get started, our leadoff batter is Rory Carroll from Reuters. And on deck, Richard Pagliaro of Tennis Now. Hello, Rory. Well, uh, thanks very much for doing the call. Um, I'm, I'm curious about the American men going into this tournament. It's been a long drought um, since Sampras in 2000. Uh, is this the year that American men could hoist the trophy? And could you just look at the uh, query and is there uh, their games coming in this tournament? How you how you feel they look? Well, I'd say uh, someone inexplicably for a guy that serves as big as Isner, he's really had very poor results. Um, I'm looking at his draw, and he's got about as good a draw as I've seen him have. Um, I've never seen any indication why. I don't can't give you a good answer. I know his movement's an issue, but you know, uh, and his return of serve has been an issue. Uh, but to me, you know, we're looking at he's got about as good an opportunity to make a run at least. You know, he's never been in, I don't think he's ever been in the second week of Wimbledon, much less, you know, getting to a quarters or semis. But it's about as good an opportunity he's going to have. And, you know, Sam's draw is tougher. I'm looking, he's got a much trickier road even to get to, like, the, what he did last year. He's got to go through some pretty solid grass court players. So that would be a tall order to even get back to what he did last year. Um, and as far as the young guys, the young guys, you know, I think still, you know, they've got a ways to go in terms of figuring out uh, what they can do to max out, you know, their game, the TFOs, and, you know, finding a comfort level. Donaldson, among others. I think Opelka, I don't see his name, so he, might have, he must have lost earlier in the qualies. He'd be a, you know, Isner type of guy to be dangerous. But we're still like a work in progress with the young guys. And, you know, the older, you know, veteran guys, like Jet, the other guy would be Sock. And he's just been, you know, hasn't been playing with that really any confidence for a while. So I'm not quite sure what's happened with him. But it would be, you know, considering I think he thinks grass is his least favorite surface, it would, even though I think he could play on grass and do, do well, uh, I haven't seen any indication from him that he's, you know, believes he's got much of a shot either at this point. Mm. Okay, so if you had to pick one to go the deepest, um, would you say Isner right now because of the draw? With the draw, I'd say Isner. Sam's the most, you know, confident and gets, you know, plays the best on the on the grass, but he seems that what I see, the toughest draw of any any, any American. Thank you. All right. Uh, next up, Richard Pagliaro of Tennis Now, and then Sandy Harwit from USA Today. Thank you for doing the call. I really appreciate it. Uh, Roger and Rafa have combined to win the last six straight slams. Will that continue at Wimbledon? If not, who's the most likely winner? And then for John, I know that you work with Kyrgios briefly at Labor Cup. What's his potential here? And if you were coaching him, what would you encourage, you know, from him to maximize his potential here? How much time do we have? <laughs> yeah. 
I thought this was only like 45 minutes or an hour. Uh, so, um, you know, Nick is, you know, to me, the most talented tennis player the last 10 years that I've seen, you know, since, you know, the Djokovic, you know, Murray, Nadal, Federer type, you know, see, you know, he's, he's an incredible talent. Um, but as, as far as, um, you know, mentally, you know, I haven't been around him much. I saw him, you know, I haven't seen much of him. I've tried to reach out to him. I haven't spoken to him. Um, but you know, it looks like at least he's healthy. Because uh, he's been battling some issues with, like, I believe his elbow and shoulder. I um, mean, certainly he's one of the most dangerous guys. You know, he'd be one of the six or eight guys, w- w- you know, winning the type. I don't know what his physical condition in, is, you know, at this point. He didn't play any of the clay court events. He missed out on a lot of the hard court ones. So my guess would be that it would be tough, you know, considering mentally and physically for him to, you know, be able to go all the way, you know. But as far as coaching, you know, that would be – you know, I don't believe in saying what exactly I would do without having spent some time with him. But obviously, you know, it's, 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 you know, he's got to get over, you know, he's got to embrace competing and embrace, you know, that, you know, he's got some issues with, you know, that fear of like what everyone does, a fear of failure, you know, feel of, you know, laying it all out there and maybe coming up a little short. And I think that's what makes Nadal so great. He's willing to compete and play, you know, start every match, each match like he hasn't played any before. And so uh, that, that's what makes, you know, separates the guys, the guys that are willing to dig in and dig deeper, and he's got to find a way to do that. Now, uh, you know, as far as, like, who's going to win it um, after the other two, you know, uh, it's, it, it's difficult to say. You know, there's a handful of guys. If you had to pick one guy that would position himself, it would probably be Chilich, would be the guy that would be best positioned at this point given what's gone on, you know, in, over the course of the last, um, you know, six months since he got to the finals of Australia and then he just won Queens. I think he's positioned himself well to uh, perhaps, you know, and he believes in himself enough. I, if you had to pick one other guy besides those two, have, you know, he, he might break the string. Now, obviously, Novak looks to be heading, you know, we're all happy in the right direction. Now, whether or not he's ready to go all the way, but you'd have to still consider him with his pedigree and his results as a guy. And, you know, then, then it becomes much more of a crapshoot. You know, is, is Zverev ready to make that next step? Is, is George actually even, you know, for real, you know, is he for real on grass? You know, because he just came off winning his, his first ever grass court event when he had barely won any matches. So, uh, and then, and then after that, it be, you know it becomes even more unpredictable. Whether you know a big hitter like the Anderson, Sam Query is, you know, some guy, the big guys go and cause problems in the draw that would open things up for potential. You know, Milos obviously for me is a guy who can do damage, but I don't know. He, he's been battling some health, a lot of health issues, so I don't know where he's at. Can I can I just interrupt? Talk about Nick a little bit because he's down in Boca quite a bit, and I observe him practicing. And the thing the thing about Nick is, um, I don't know if any coach can really get into his head right now because he's not um, agreeable to that. I mean, he is his own person, and we can just stand by and marvel at his talent and appreciate the big wins, but. Um, expect the big losses too, and and uh, you know because this is his temperament, and I don't, I don't know how much you can teach again hunger and focus and commitment. I mean, you can encourage it, but until it gets into his 
persona until it gets into his, you know, conscience and his heart, you know, we're not going to see the best of Nick Kyrgios. I mean, it's just the way he is. Um, so, you know, again, it, it's, it's very often that the most talented players, when things come very easy to them, sometimes mentally they're not as tough because they don't have to be. And um, it's the grinders that sometimes that have to work harder that are mentally tougher. So, you know, he's just got to find that he's got to find that desire and that hunger inside himself. Yep. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Next up, Sandy Harwood at USA Today, and then Bill Simmons, inside tennis. Hey, um, hi, Chrissy. Can you talk a little bit about Serena? Um, she seems to yeah, be sorry, I didn't very. <laughs> sorry, I she seems to be very focused on this. Yep. Can you hear me? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can hear you, Serena. Um, hey, listen, it's it's her it's her best surface. Um, it's the surface that her game is suited for with the power, the big serve. She's going to win some free points. It's going to be easier for her on the grass than it was on the clay where she had to really grind it out. Um, it's, you know, I would say to Serena with Serena, it's like, uh, cause I've been thinking about this, you know, what chance do I, do I give to, for her to win the tournament? I give her as much chance as anybody else because the field is completely open. I mean, that's, I don't even know who the favorite is. I don't know if the favorite's help. I don't know if the favorite is Muguruza. Is it Kvitova? You know, is it Serena? I mean, I give all those, those women um, the same exact same chance to win this tournament and um, it remains to be seen you know she has really embraced motherhood to the maximum and uh, you know I'm surprised that it it hasn't taken the edge away a little bit um, because I know when I had my first child I was like you know I just didn't want to do anything else in life but this is Serena and she she does the unimaginable and the unpredictable, and you just you you can never count her out. So if she's healthy, which she obviously wasn't at the French, if she's healthy and if she's focused, um, you know she can play her way into this uh, to this because I was I was looking at her at her first couple rounds are okay, and then she would get Spitalina, I guess, in the third round. Right. So she needs matches. She needs matches. She needs to, to win a couple rounds and get confident and get that serve going and get that movement going. Um, but, you know, no, I, I wouldn't – nothing's for sure. Looking at this one, John, nothing's for sure. Right. And, John, can you talk a little bit more about um, Rafa? Because it seems like the draw might be a little bit more favorable to him this year. He doesn't have that big explosive player. He seems to have a lot of – more clay quarters in his way past the first few rounds. Yeah, you know, um, you know his. Yes, you know it's yeah. just with Rafa. You never know, you know here. But I'm looking right now, and I'm the only guy that I'm looking at that potentially is that type of player. Is is, is Misha Zverev? He you know he's a serve volleyer, that would be a third round match. Um, other than that, um, all the way to the quarters, you know, he's got like uh, as beautiful draws you could ask for on this surface. And then he's got like a bunch of people like who's going to come out of this section where Shapovalov, Andy Murray, Del Potro, he's only going to have to play one of those guys, it appears. So that's a good thing for him. 
Uh, Sock is also there, it, it looks like. Uh, GoFan is there. So he's got, out of those five people, he's only got to play uh, one of those five people. So this is, you know, as, as good as he could hope for. So, you know, when he gets to the second week and things slow down um, a little bit on the grass, you'd have to say, okay, the chances are getting better. So uh, if, if there was an opportunity for him to, you know, go deep, it's, it's definitely this year. There's no question. You're absolutely right. And should we think uh, Roger comes in a little bit tentative because of the loss just recently, or how? How do you feel about that? I don't that? think so. You know, I don't. I, you know, I saw some of the match. I didn't see much of it, but I think that he would alter his game plan. Were he to play him again, I believe in the fourth or quarters. I, I, I haven't seen the draw. I mean, I saw it, but I could look at it in a second. But that's assuming George gets there. Um, but it looks to me like he's. You know, he's. I think he was probably. You know, at that point. And I'm just guessing, but, you know, look, George is a guy that I'm hoping will become um, the type of player. It's around a 16 match, yeah. So I think he would alter his game plan a little bit. I think he'd be more aggressive than what I, what I believe I saw. Like, I didn't see the whole match. But I, I think that, you know, again, you know, he, he's got, like, the potential of playing like a Karlovich. We know Karlovich is 39 now, I believe. So, you know, could he muster it up for long enough time in the second or what would be the third round or second? Um, that would be third round. So, you know, it's it looks to me like he's pretty well positioned. And um, he played a lot of – you know, when you don't play for three months, even Roger, you play ten, eight or nine – what was it, five and four? But he played, I think, believe, nine matches in, you know, less than two weeks. So, to me, I'm – guessing he was a little bit mentally and physically like you know vulnerable a little bit more than normal but then, then he's got a week off so he'll be he'll be he'll i think that was a great preparation yeah great uh, thank you better, i think it was almost better that he lost at church that you know gives you a little oh. bit more um desire when top player loses and top players aren't going to lose the same player twice in a row right great thank you all all right, we now go to Bill Simons, Inside Tennis, and then Bob Larson of Bob Larson Tennis. Thanks so much, guys, for your time. Appreciate it. Um, Wimbledon and the U.S. Open, um, our two biggest tournaments, are celebrating their 50th anniversary as Open tournaments. Could you um, take a minute and try and cut to the chase and just talk about, I don't know, the one or two most special moments, most impactful or even most fun moments you've had in, in all your years there as as players and or commentators. You should have asked us this before. So we have well, well. Let me ask. Let me answer because it's easy for me with Wimbledon, 1980. Obviously, the Borg match, and um, um, probably similar uh, the year that I won. Uh, I lost that match, but I came back and beat Lendl, Connors, and Borg in the 80 Open. So from a personal standpoint, um, I would say, you know, that Super Saturday uh, also. I guess Super Saturday, you know, because uh, that, that brings us all into a, Chris, uh, you know, a whole nine yards. Uh, so that seemed to, you know, spark talk that we hadn't heard much before and it seemed to maybe bring uh, hopefully the open to a, a, a bigger level uh so for me personally i'd have to i'd have to say those two i think for the u.s open for me um since i i'm an american uh, i it's not one specific match it's every time i walked out on on stadium court 
and I felt um, I felt the support and I felt the excitement. And um, even though the U.S. Open is at the end of the year and everybody is starting to get tired, it just um, it was very for me very motivating, very inspirational to be an American to step out on center on the stadium court. So it's a feeling that I I never felt in any other tournament in the world. And it's being an American and it's a very, you know, there's just a lot of patriotism. And and as John will tell you, John was a favorite. Jimmy was a favorite. I think I was a favorite. Billie Jean and they just embraced the American players. Um, So I would say that for the U S open and Wimbledon, um, Oh, Wimbledon. I, I, again, um, the thing about Wimbledon for me is I feel that everyone seems to think that my greatest achievements have been on clay, the French winning seven times, but I feel like the grass was such a challenge for my game, for my style, and those three wins um, meant more to me than anything, I think, than any other title because I had to compromise and I had to tweak my game and I had to figure out how to make some changes and be more aggressive. And um, so I think just the mind frame and the growth that I, that I had to have when I, um, the changes I had to make when I walked out and, and played on the grass, um, you know, that made that tournament very special to me. And, and John, if I could just follow up. Thank you, Chrissy. Um, if I could just follow up, that was such a monumental win o- over Connors on Super Sun Saturday uh, l- late at night. Uh, what is what is the mo- moment of a great victory feel like for a champion? What goes through your mind at at that moment of triumph in front of? Uh, well, in that particular arena? case, obvi- yeah, yeah. In, in that particular case, you know, obviously there was two great matches before me, um, and also um, I. <laughs> Even though it was extremely satisfying to pull that off, it was 11:20 at night, I believe, and I had to play at four the next day. So um, I wasn't able to sort of enjoy that uh, the way that I would have normally liked to. But I knew it, at the time it just felt like you know people were buzzing and there was an energy and there was a feeling about the whole day that you could sense. So uh, that was something that made me, you know, ultimately. I mean, I could tell right away that that was a moment that was going to be sort of to some degree etched in time. So that was, um, you know, you go out there and uh, I learned a lot from Connors because uh, he made me compete harder and try harder and forced me to find another gear and dig deeper. So from that uh, respect, it was uh, seeing a guy that gave so much, you know, like sort of the Nadal of our time, you know, that gave so much with effort to be able to match that to a degree was, you know, something that made me very proud at that time. Thank you very much, John. Thank you, Chrissy. Appreciate it. Okay, Bob Larson uh, is uh, next on the agenda. And then, no questions? Okay. Well, then um, we will go north of the border to uh, ARDS, uh, television outlet in Montreal, and Rock Carrigan. And after that, we will go further east to Eleanor Crooks from the Press Association in London. Thank you. Hi, guys. Uh, my first question is for uh, Chrissy. Ginny uh, Bouchard made the final at Wimbledon in uh, 2014. This year, she had to go through the qualifications. Uh, do yeah. you think she could be, uh, it could be beneficial for her to uh, go back to that process? And uh, what do you expect from her this week? Um, did they put the qualifiers in the draw? Sorry, I have the draw right in front of me. Yeah, who did she play first round looking at this? 
uh, she's playing uh, Gabriella Taylor from the uh, UK. What no- I'm sorry, what number is she on the thing? Oh, there she is. She's 44. 44 on the thing. Okay, on the draw. Um, Char, she plays a t- She plays a claw. A wild card. She plays uh, Gabriella Taylor wild card, correct? Then to play to the Ashley. Um, in answer to your question, um, you know, I always had a lot of faith in Jeannie Bouchard's game, and I don't, you know, I don't know why it's taken her so long <laughs> to get it back. I mean, it just it, let's just, you know, I, I'm, I don't know why it's taken so long to get a glimpse of, you know, even reaching a quarter in a turn, quarter final in a tournament because she. I, she obviously has the game. She's, we've seen it. We saw it four years ago, and you know, I just think it's a matter of her, a matter of confidence with her because something, something should have happened by now. You know, if she was really dead set on getting back to the top of the game, so maybe, maybe 2014 happened too quickly for her. Maybe she wasn't ready for it um, mentally and emotionally. And maybe it's just taking a little bit of time for her to get, to get that maturity level um, that you need to be a top player, you know. But obviously, she's had a good Wimbledon qualifying. She won a few matches. She's in the main draw. Um, I think she likes the grass, having reached the, the final. She has a, a good feeling about it, a nice confidence about it. And I know, you know, she's got a big fan base. I, I know everybody would love to see her get, get it back. And I think she just keeps... She just has to keep her nose the grindstone and keep playing these tournaments and winning matches and not, like you said, maybe play some lesser money tournaments, um, lesser tier tournaments, to, just to gain that those match wins. But um, happy to see her qualify. And again, um, you know, maybe with the maturity, maybe this is starting. We're starting to see some good signs from Jeannie right now. Okay, thank you. Uh, now a question for John. Uh, what are you expecting uh, from Canadian players like uh, Milos Raonic and uh, Denis Shapovalov this week? Well, as as you're probably aware, I you know work with Milos and I still you know in, in talk with him and you know pull for him. Um, he's had some you know a lot of issues the last year and a half uh, with injuries, and he just came off one. So I'm hoping that he's feeling good because when I look at his draw right here, he's, you know, I mean, he's, it would be interesting to see him play Chilich in the round of 16. If, uh, if he were to get to the fourth round, I would be, I would like to see that. I see he's got, you know, a favorable first couple matches, but it really depends on how he's feeling in a way. because he hasn't been able to train as much as, as uh, he'd like. And I think that his confidence level is probably, you know, dented a little bit because he hasn't been playing and he's, He's having a tough time being healthy. And, and as far as, you know, Dennis is, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Dennis. I, you know, watching him is like, in, you know, in a way, you know, watching an 18-year-old like 40 years ago when I was a kid, you know, he's got an energy and, uh, you know, a, a, a quickness and an intensity to him that's been, you know, it's going to be very successful. He's already very successful, and he's going to be a great player, I believe. And he's, you know, he's already in the top – 30 in the world and but if, if I had to pick a guy who had you know arguably the toughest draw in the entire draw it could be him you know um, just looking through his draw right now you know he's got 
you know, a guy, Shardy, who's not, you know, he's a veteran, tough. If Murray, I don't know exactly where he's at, but that would be a second-round match to play Del Pocho or Lopez in the third round. That would only get him to the fourth round. So, um, you know, he's got his work cut out for him um, in this particular event. That, and then Zverev in the fourth round. You know, so I'm, I'm saying he's got the toughest draw in the entire tournament. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you very much, both of you. I uh, really appreciate it. All right. Next is Eleanor Crooks from the Press Association and then Matt Lambert from the Daily Mail. Hi, um, thanks for doing this. Uh, it looks like Andy Murray is going to play Wimbledon. Um, I just wondered what you both have, have made of him so far, how much you've seen of him, and what do you feel are his prospects for Wimbledon and also looking further ahead in his career? Well, obviously, um, it appears that he's moving pretty well. I've only seen a little bit of him. But it appears, you know, he's had tough draws both events he's played. He, he's, you know, playing Kyrgios first round ain't exactly a cakewalk. And then he played Stan to play Edmund, which is sort of weird because he's playing like the new number ones, supposedly, even though we all know that, you know, Andy's really the number one, but he's lost because of injury. So, you know, I don't know if he's, you know, even capable or if it's possible to play seven best of five set matches after having not, you know, Roger did it six months ago. That was on a hard court. It would seem possible. Um, you know, he's by no means got an easy draw either. Parrick knows what he's doing. And then, you know, that would be the Shapovalov draw. So both those guys have extremely tough draws. And it would be hard to envision a guy being able to, you know, suddenly go, you know, with the type of draw that go really deep into an event. But as far as, you know, the future, if he's healthy and his, his hip is okay, you know, I would expect to see him back in the top five, you know, within, you know, a period of time, you know, uh, you know, he's, he's basically lost his complete ranking more or less. Um, so he'd have to work his way back. But I would, I would suspect that if he, you know, I would certainly see him back in the mix if he's, if he's healthy. You know, I, I think that right now it's, um, you know, you see a smile on his face. It's just great to see him back. It's great to see him back in, in the mix with all the top guys. It's great to see his, him back, his game, his personality. Um, he's healthy. And very often when, again, when a player is forced to leave the game for injuries, if you look at past history, everybody's come back. It's like 90% of the players have come back better than ever, stronger than ever, more eager than ever, um, more inspired than ever, because they really feel like, they finally, you know, they appreciate what they didn't have. And so it's a lesson of life, really. And, and I think that um, I think we're going to see some good stuff from Andy Murray, but I don't think we should expect anything too soon at this moment. Hey, great. Thank you. All right, Matt Lambert at the Daily Mail and then Stuart Fisher at the Herald. Uh, hi, guys. Thanks very much for doing this. A um, couple of questions. Uh, First one to John. Um, it's the 10-year anniversary now, the 2008 uh, final between Federer and Nadal. Um, uh, I just, I'd just like to hear your your, your kind of memories of that. Um, I, I think were you were you comment, commentating on it? Was it for ESPN and and your memories of that? And then how looking back on it now, um, whether you still think it's it's the best match um, of all time? Oh. Well, I do. Um, I. Uh... 
By the way, whoever the last the caller was, I'm looking at the draw, and it's uh, I don't believe that Zavera plays Shapovalov in the round of 16 <laughs> if they're listening. It's tough to see on my phone. So I just want to go on the record that it might be slightly different than I – but sir, I know the first three rounds are the same. So I just apologize for that mistake. I'm looking. It's a little tough to see. But at any rate, as far as the 2008 match, um, yeah, um, you know, there was, I believe, a rain delay before the match started. I believe there was a couple rain delays during the match. Um, there was all types of things that went on in addition to the quality of the tennis uh, and then the way it ended where it looked like they couldn't play another point and um, you could go on and on. I mean, Roger was up, I think, 4-1 in the second. He lost that set. He won the third in the tiebreaker. He saved match points in the fourth set. It rained in the fifth. They came back. It was, you know, it looked like they were going to maybe have to stop at seven or eight all. They played that game and flashlights were going over the place. It literally looked like, I think it ended past 9 o'clock, and to me, when um, you're able to sit back and call a match where you're basically not saying anything, which I believe was the appropriate response in the fifth set, having you know seen a lot of matches, let it speak for itself. It was the best match that I'd ever witnessed in terms of the overall quality, the excitement, you know, things, the unpredictability of it and the way it ended. That, um, that may have been my best call ever. Not saying anything. <laughs> and just looking back on it now, um, you know, so say if if, I'd have, if if someone had told you just after that final that ten years on they'd still be, they'd be the number one and two seeds at Wimbledon again, what do you think you would have thought? Well, you know, I think that it was pretty evident that both these guys were spectacular players. Uh, having said that, at 36, approaching 37, what Roger's done is like out of this world in a way. And given the injury issues that Rafa's had over the years and the fact that Novak and Andy, I believe, were higher in the rankings and looked to be taking over and it looked like these guys were going in the wrong direction, it is unbelievable that uh, – They've been able to, I mean, I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised in a way because, I mean, to me, the, the two, I mean, I'd labor, I always, you know, is my idol and I always throw him in the mix, but these are like the two best players ever. So I'm like thinking, well, <laughs> I mean, it's thank God for the game that they're still there and they have that hunger and love it so much and that they're there that we get to enjoy this another, you know, couple of years. Thanks very much. Um, and just one for Chrissy on uh, on Joe Conta. She, since she since she made the semis, uh, since, since she made the semis last year, um, she hasn't really hasn't really backed that up this year. Um, so, what do you think has kind of gone wrong with the game, and and, and what do you think we should expect from her uh, this fortnight? Uh, she seems to be doing okay on the grass, though. Um, this she this week um, she. She lost to Wozniak in the last round of Eastbourne, that was, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But she seemed to have some good wins and playing better. You know, it's hard. She's, she's a very, she's a very to me, a ner- kind of a nervous type of player. And she's got the shots. I mean, on paper, if you watch her on TV, you'll marvel at, wow, she's got a good serve. Wow, she's, you know, she's got good groundies. She's got a... She's got a good ball. She's got a great all-around game. But I think that she just gets a little fidgety and a little tight and nervous at times. And and I think that's one area that she's been working on. I mean, she, she seems the last two years to be working on the mental part of the game and um, getting a sports psychologist. And, and I think that 
she has to continue working on that aspect of the game because she's not playing. She's still not there playing with the freedom that you need to play. The top players play with sort of a relaxed freedom, and they they have the trust in their shots. And I just I, I feel like she's a little tense. And when she's you know she had a great summer last summer, and then all of a sudden some bad losses, and I think that's going to maybe take away a little bit more confidence, but. It's really her. It's up to her. She's got to talk to herself. She's she's got to to believe and she's got to play, relax and play with a new kind of a freedom um, and see how that goes. Because it hasn't worked this year with what she's been doing. Great. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. All right. Next up, Stuart Fisher at the Herald, and then my uh, ESPN International PR colleagues have uh, drum up some business for us uh, where ESPN does quite a lot of business in India. So uh, after that will be, and I apologize for any uh, problems I have with the names here, Nitin Naik from the Times of India. But first, it's Stuart's turn. Hi, guys. Uh, how are you doing? Um, I'm going to, I think my son has been stolen a wee bit with Andy Murray, so uh, I was just going to ask, I mean, John particularly, uh, what he's made of Kyle Edmund uh, coming through um, you know, if we think that Andy Mignard potentially could struggle to go too far in this year's competition, could he, um, you know, go on a long run, especially with the home crowd kind of gets behind him? Um, let me uh, just get a quick glance of exactly what he's got going for him here, um, because I think that, you know, you're talking about apples and oranges um, with Ed, Edmund and... Um, and uh, Murray, you know, Edmund is is a. Is a uh, I see it. I see it now. Um, you know, he's got potentially, you know, Djokovic in the third round. Um, yeah. What I'm seeing. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, he, he did. I believe Edmund has the possibility to. What's that? He beat Djokovic in Miami this year on the clay, and he, he is kind of stepping up. Seems to be stepping up a bit on the grass. Obviously, beat Andy the other day. Yeah, he, well, he beat Novak somebody. I don't know if his name was Djokovic in Miami, but that wasn't Djokovic. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's approaching his himself again, uh, which is a different, different, different story yeah. altogether. But nonetheless, I think Kyle's made some excellent progress. I was really impressed with what I saw in Australia. I watched him, you know, go through some extremely difficult matches in brutal heat and come through to the semis, and I think that, uh, you know, he was able to um, show me that he had, like, a top-10 capability. I don't see, you know, a, a guy winning majors. I see a guy that can do damage to a lot of people, and I see an extremely, you know, excellent professional, you know, and it probably, if I had a guess, settle into the 10 to 20 range, uh, perhaps a little better if he, you know, can continue to work on a couple things, but a lot of things have improved, his backhand and he serves better. Um, you know, he's got the fitness that he didn't have before. So it'd be interesting to see what he did with uh, if he played Novak third round here and how we would handle that. Because, you know, again, he played Murray, but that's not Murray uh, as of this time. So, um, but that does, that's not his fault. You know, so he's taken advantage of some opportunities. He played, he played pretty solid tennis uh, in, in the French. So, you know, he's making some real good progress, and I hope he keeps it up. Thank you. 
All right. Uh, now it's uh, time for uh, Nitan Naik from the Times of India, and then Bahan Sengupta from the Hindustan Times. And, sir, we will actually have to take Bahan at, at this time. Oh, okay. Very good. Hello? Hello? Yeah, hi. My question to the both of you is, your opinion on Federal keeping the COVID season, and uh, question for Mr. McEnroe, uh, unlike NAFA, Federal, your COVID have all had early successes in their life, about winning majors, the second gen generation next hasn't been able to step up to that mark. I didn't, I didn't understand the first part of that. What, what, what did he say? I'm sorry, I couldn't hey, understand the question. Hey, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand. My, uh, I couldn't hear. My first or, question. Yeah. My my first question was about your both of your opinion about Roger Federer skipping the clay court season. How do you see that? And my second question to Mr. McEnroe is, unlike Rafa, uh, Roger Federer, and Djokovic winning early majors in their careers, the generation next haven't been really been up to that mark. Like they haven't really gone past the semi-final levels. So, how do you see the transition happening? Well, you know that is a tremendous question. That's a tremendous question that we don't really know the answer to. I keep waiting for who's who's it going to be to step up. You know, the Dimitros haven't seemed to do it. Uh, Milos has had been detoured. All those guys, mid to late 20s, had a couple runs. Nishikori, you can go on and on. And now the next guys, you're thinking, well, is it going to be Zverev's going to step up or Chorich or, you know, who's, the, who's that going to be? Uh, Kyrgios had the opportunity. He doesn't seem to take an advantage of it. Uh, Sock broke into the top ten. He's had a very tough, you know, poor year. So you don't see anyone really just grabbing it. And, you know, the credit to the, the guys, that, uh, the, the greats, the all-time greats, that they keep just, you know, in a way they're just taking it to these guys and just notching up one after the other. Um, and as far as the first question, which was Roger, you know, Roger didn't play the clay court season last year, and he won the Wimbledon. So mm -hmm. to me, you know, it was like it was probably a bit of a no-brainer that he was going to do the same thing. Why would he do something different? and sort of risk, you know, it's like if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of thing. And it worked so well, he needed, you know, he had, look what he just did. You know, he's just <laughs> gone on, you know, won Australia again. You know, it, it's incredible what he's done. So if I were him, I wouldn't change the thing either. You know, I think the first question, the first, can I just say the first question about um, when John was talking about the guys, I felt like that was the same scenario with the women you know like when Serena was out of the game it was like okay can somebody please um fill you know try to fill her shoes to a certain extent um and you know we had like seven or eight different Grand Slam winners but nobody nobody could <clears throat> consistently week in and week out be the champion that you know the the form the past champions that John was mentioning the Johns and the Jimmies and the Martinez and the Steffies and you know, week in and week out, they win. They win, you know, eight, nine tournaments a year. And um, you see yeah. that in the men's, you see that in the women's. It might be just that the field is so tough now and the, and the depth is so tough now. But, um, you know, we're, I, I think we're waiting for a, a woman as well as a man to, to step up. And as far as Roger, I mean, Roger's goal right now should not be to support the tour 
week in and week out. It should be anybody who's 36 years old and still playing at this high level and winning 20 Grand Slams can afford to be selfish and think about himself and think about what's best for his career, what's best for his body. If he wants to take three or four months off a year, so be it. I think Serena's in the same boat. And I think Nadal's in the same boat also. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ruby. All right, next up, we will go to the Hindu newspaper and Sudarshan Naharanan. Excuse me, I'm sure that's not what he calls it. And after that, the midday paper with Ashwin Ferrero. That one I think I nailed. And oh, by the way, Chrissy, you are right. The last seven majors, seven different women's okay. champions. Okay, thank you. Four of them, first time major champions. Right. Thank you, Dave. Uh, yeah, this is a question each to John and uh, Chris. Uh, to John, I wanted to ask him about uh, how Djokovic is shaping up uh, during the clay season, latter part of clay season. He did seem to want wins, as in the hunger was back, and he even got within a championship point at Queen's. So how is he shaping up? And to Chris, it's a question on uh, Kivitova. She has played extremely well, won more titles than any other player this year considering she's coming to Wimbledon where she has always done well. So what do you expect from her? Go ahead, John. Let's take the first one. Um, Djokovic is, 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 is definitely heading in the right direction. He seems to be healthy. He said he's, that his elbow's not bothering him. He seems to have some of that hunger back. I don't know if it's all back, but maybe uh, you know we hope that it is. If it is, I think he's going to win more majors. Um, he seems to um, have had... I know for a long time uh, leading up to Australia this year, he wasn't able to do the type of training that he needed to do to get the type of level of fitness that we've seen over the course of the last five or six years, and that's been a work in progress. I think part of why you saw those results in Indian Wells and Key Biscayne, for example, is I think he realized he just physically, not only mentally, but physically he wasn't where he needed to be to you know, compete at the level he wanted to. So he's had a you know, sort of go through this process, which has been sort of tough for him, that he's not really getting the results he wanted. But, you know, each time you've seen him, it, he seems closer to being, you know, Novak, which was, you know, I thought he beat the guy, Ch- Chekinato. I thought he beat him at the French. He lost to him in the quarters. I was surprised because I was interested to see what would happen with team in the semis. I was watching the match with Chilich. I had to go out at the uh, sort of the midway point thought he was going to win that in straight sets, so I was somewhat surprised he ended up losing that, but he was clearly playing, you know, more um, along the lines of what we expect, and uh, physically, it's not quite as demanding as the other ones at Wimbledon. It's more mental, so perhaps he can, you know, sort of take it a step further and make a real deep run. I think it, would, it wouldn't shock me if he made a deep run this year, uh, and it wouldn't shock me if he wasn't quite there yet. I mean, it, it, I'm not sure exactly, but I think he's you know, a heck of a lot closer than he was a year ago. As, okay. as far as as far as Kvitova, um, she's the player that has had the best form uh, on the grass so far this year, and she's had a she's had a really good year. Again, another player who was out for a long time, and because of the injury on her um, on her hand who came back and has that new appreciation for the game, but she's always going to be dangerous on the grass. She's won Wimbledon twice. She's got that lefty serve that gets you off the court. 
Um, she likes the, the points to be nice and short. She's fitter, I think, than she's ever been in her career right now. She's the fittest, and um, she has to be definitely considered one of the top two or three favorites, if, if not the favorite, to win Wimbledon. Okay, okay. Uh, you both uh, spoke about uh, the next generation uh, in both the men's and the women's uh, sections. The men's section has always had a pecking order. You knew who were at the top, while the women, apart from Serena, hasn't had it. Do you think it's for the good of the game or the detriment of the game to not have a pecking order? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, listen, you're going to enjoy, people are going to enjoy tennis no matter what's going on. If there's a dominant number one player like Serena, people are going to be interested in seeing if she can keep it up. And if there's, um, if there's just an abundance of talent, but it's very unpredictable at the top and there are 10 women that could win a grand slam, people are going to still watch it because they're going to wonder, you know, who's going to pull out winning the grand slam. And so if it's unpredictable, it's still wonderful to watch. If it's predictable and you're, and you're watching a legend, it's still wonderful to watch. So I don't, I don't really think the ratings on TV or the public fascination goes, you know, there's any difference with what's going on in the women's game or the men's game. Um, I think rivalries help. And, um, and I think the, again, having a dominant player helps. But I also think the unpredictability of, Seeing who's going to, you know, step into the next shoes of being number one in the world and, you know, being on that platform, I think that's that helps and that's interesting too. So, I mean, I'm I'm trying to promote the game. I'm not so. I think all of it's just, um, you know, worthy of watching. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Sean, you can weigh in there. Well, my, the only way in I would be that I think tennis, you know, and obviously in a one-on-one sport, to me, it's two things critical to have great rivalries. I think that helps quite a bit. So, you know, there's some, obviously when Roger and Ralph are winning all these majors, that sparks more interest. And you need that, I think, in the men and women, ultimately, um, that would be helpful. And obviously from a standpoint of, you know, working, being an American, working ESPN, living here, it would be extremely helpful if there was a guy like if, you know, Novak was American or, you know, there was an American that had won eight, ten majors going at it with these guys would spark a lot more interest here. So uh, that is clearly, you know, with, luckily for the women, we've had Serena and Venus before that. Or otherwise, it would seem to be real problems, you know. Uh, but to me, uh, hopefully this, you know, because there's this, this going to be a wide open gap uh, coming soon, someone and hopefully a couple of Americans will step through and be able to, you know, start to, you know, win majors. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Next up from the midday newspaper in India, Ashwin Ferrero. And then from the Times, I hear he's back on the line, Nitin Naik. Uh, hi, guys. Thanks for doing this. Uh, my question really is about... Uh, the fact that this is going to be a tournament or, uh, for people like uh, Federer, Rafa, and Serena, a case of it being mind over matter. Now, there's skill, ample of skill there, but uh, Rafa is coming off, uh, I mean, has injuries off, off and on. Federer is 36, then 37. Serena is being a mom back after that. Emotional factor, how important is a strong mind for all these three yeah. champions? 
crucial. I mean, it's it's the most. I mean, obviously, being healthy and not injured is 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 very. Is, it's probably the most important thing. But the mindset is crucial. And the one thing I I remember when I was getting older, I retired at thirty four. But I started to have days where I'd wake up and I didn't feel that inspiration to jump out of bed and race onto center court. And, you know, I'm, I'm, that's how I, why I marvel at these players, because every single match they seem to get psyched up for. But that was tough for me. And I, I still think that Roger and um, I still think when you played 15, 20 years on the tour, that's the, that's the problem that you could be up against is, having a bad day or two, not getting psyched up and not, you just can't do it. So I think when you're 18 or 19 and you're eager, you can, every day is a fresh day for you. Um, so the mental aspect's important, you know, particularly for Serena at this point, because confidence is such a big part of her game and she has to be, feel confident to get those big serves in and to make that serve work. She has to feel confident to move, um, so I think the confidence for her, believing in her abilities and believing that she can win on grass, I think that's crucial. As soon as there's doubt in her mind, you know, you can sense it in her body rhythms and her in her body language, you know, and, and she's, she's known as a confident player. So, you know, I think that you hit it on the head. I think the mental and emotional component for a top player, especially these three that you named, are crucial for them to win Wimbledon and to be consistent every day in feeling that way. I mean, I'll just add, I agree with Chrissy, but I'm amazed how hungry they still are, you know, with as much as they've done. That's what they should be given the most credit for, that they keep, you know, doing what it takes to to win and digging even deeper. That's amazing. You know, that's why they're the greatest ever, because, you know, they seem to want it more than the guys that haven't won anything. Okay, next up we go to the Times of India and Nitin Naik, and then the Press Trust paper with Nikhil Bapapt. Uh, thank you to ESPN and thank you to John and uh, to Chris for doing this. I um, just wanted to ask both of you whether the, the younger crop in men's tennis are they struggling to do well in this land because uh, unlike the previous generation or uh, the generation of John, they do not get enough practice in the best of five formats, except in the Davis Cup. Like earlier, used to have the Masters tournaments, used to have best of five. Guys like Zverev, Billy Throw, Raonic, do they struggle to uh, win, do well in slams because they do not get enough practice of playing the best of five formats in other tournaments? Well, you know, I don't think so. I think um, I think it's a more physical game than ever. The game is quicker, so I think it's tougher for someone to come bounce out of the box at 18, 19, 20 and be able to do what it takes that long because I think you need to work up towards that. But perhaps there's, you know, I, I'm thinking about that now. We did have a few events where there was the finals was best of five, but it wasn't, there wasn't, wasn't a lot of tournaments or very few players that would be impacted by that, so... I doubt that's as much of an issue as it is two things. One, that the game's quicker, and, you know, it takes longer for guys. And the other thing, these guys, these other guys, these top guys are better than them. That's the part, you know, Federer and Nadal are, in Djokovic are all-time greats. 
And so they're just, you know, when push comes to shove over a longer period of time, it's tougher to beat them. I think right. though there's that right. one there's that there's that odd year where because I, I keep thinking of Andy Murray, you know he played a full circuit, um, he played he I think he won Wimbledon that year, then he played the Olympics, and then he played Davis Cup, and I think right. they won it or they got to reach the finals. I, I mean I I think that once you're gonna have that one odd year once in a while where you just you got to really kind of be be conscious that you know not overdoing it because it that's especially for the men playing three out of five sets in all those tournaments I just mentioned. Right, right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to both of you. Thank you. All right. We are coming up to the end of our allotted time, and we will finish things out, like I said, with the Press Trust newspaper and Nikhil Bapat. Yeah. Hello, Hello John. Thanks for your time. I I have a question for you. There are some Indian. There's one Indian in the fray, Yuki Bhamri, in the Wimbledon, and there are there are quite a few Indians in the double, double, double uh, category. So, what do you make of them, and do you think that their participation in games like Wimbledon has kind of helped in tennis to grow? I mean, how how do you look at this whole scenario of Indian tennis when with Yuki in the singles and quite of them in the doubles with Rohan Bopanna and his with his French partner. Um, I did. You, did you ask about Bam, Bambri? And I'm not sure what the other person he asked was. Uh, I didn't hear that. Yes. Um, did anyone hear yes, who Bambi, that was? Yuki Bambri. Yes, Yuki Bambri. You know, I have. I I know him. I've seen him. I think he's. You know, a guy that's proven that he's. You know, belongs on the men's tour. Um, I don't know a lot about him. You know, I've just started seeing him, seeing his name. Um. I see that potentially he plays Dimitrov in the second round, so it would be hard-pressed for him to make a run even past past that, you know, given that Dimit- even though Dimitrov's confidence level is not low, he does know what he's doing on grass and has been a semifinalist. Um, and there wasn't another player. It was just Bombry, right? Yeah, and the other one was Rohan Bopanna. He's with, he's, he's with his French partner in the... Uh, it brought Roger Vaslin there. He did 12th. Bupati? Doubles? Not not Bupati, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, he was talking about Bupati? We're going yeah, back Rohan like Bupana. 10 years. Rohan Bopanna. Oh, Bobhana. Rohana, yeah. You know, I haven't, you know, yeah. d- honestly, yeah, I, I, watched, I, I watched some doubles and I've seen uh, him around for years and he's a de- definitely is a guy that's, you know, one of these doubles specialist guys and he's been around a long time and I don't know, you know, I've been follow- I have not been following the game closely enough and Nora, I'm not even sure if the draw has been made in the doubles yet. Um, I don't know, uh, honestly, what to expect. To me, it's all unpredictable in the doubles, way more so than the singles. Cool, cool. No worries. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you all. I think we all uh, got some good stuff we can use in our stories. And I appreciate your time and interest. And, again, it starts Monday all on ESPN here in the States.